going on, everyone? My name is Chris Tondewald, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we feature musician and producer Brian Zapp. We go through Brian's history, his transition from guitar player to full-fledged producer, knowing your worth, and the absurdity of cyberpunk letting you customize your character's junk. Great conversation, real weird feature in a video game. Brian is doing a lot of work with Violet and is open for any kind of music production. Catch him on Instagram at Brian Zapp. That's B-R-Y-A-N-C-Z-A-P. I'll have all his links in the show notes. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get right into it. If you're cool with it, I want to hear about the the new stuff that you're working on with Violet, and then how that kind of came to be, and then we'll go back. And I, I want to know how you got started pursuing music for sure. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. So let's yeah let's talk about Violet and how did you get involved with her? We've been working together in bands for uh, quite a while now. We we had a band called Dreamcatcher. Right. Okay. Yeah, we played a bunch of shows with uh, Birthright, who's the other the other podcast that I listen to you with, because those those guys are our boys. Those guys are fantastic. So I must have saw you guys then, because that's that's what I was trying to remember. Because it's Dreamcatcher without the vowels, right? Yeah, yeah. And before that, we were just Dreamcatcher. Okay. We kind of had to like work around like a tough name to have because like it came down to like being on the internet and like if you search for Dreamcatcher on the internet, you might get other bands and you might get like an Etsy store or something like that. Right. You know, it's tough. Thought the name was fitting. And this was like, kind of like the turn of like when we started the band was like 2012. So. Okay. It was a weird time. There was all these things changing and the internet was becoming a lot more important. Yeah. And we didn't really realize it, you know? Yeah. Cause you had what MySpace pretty prevalent as far as all that stuff goes. And then like pure volume and reverb nation. I think, but those are all very still fledgling. Oh, those were basically on their way out when we started this band. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I had a previous band before that that had that saw some kind of instant success. And I was in that band for about six years. And then Chelsea and I, Violette. It's pronounced Violette, so we can just continue like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. My bad. We honestly didn't know how it was going to be pronounced. We were like, Violet. And then we were like, ooh, it'd be cool if it was spelled like the French way. And then we were like, oh, <laughs> we'll just let people like figure out how they should say it. And people started saying Violette. And we were just like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a dumb white guy. So I just read it as uh, hopefully what it what it is. True. No, you say however you like. It's all good. I like that. I like that. Well, I think we've adopted Violette for sure. Perfect. Okay, so <laughs> Violette. All right, so we had Dreamcatcher because I think I saw you guys at Autobar a couple times. Definitely with My Heart, My Anchor, if I remember right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did a lot of shows with him. Yeah, so that and that's that's always really cool because I've known Dan for, for years. So seeing uh, his musical journey has been fantastic. So... Dreamcatcher is the the band that you were with, you said in 2012, right? That's when you started them. Yeah, until about about a year or maybe almost two years ago. Right, right, right. When okay. We decided to kind of end it. So how did that become uh, a band, a project for you that you were getting together? Uh, so Chelsea and I started dating when I was in my old band. So we had always been kind of working together on stuff, and she was always in band. So I kind of saw that as like something to like help me work on as like. I didn't know like I would become like a producer way later on. Sure, yeah. It yeah. was like a fun project to see her like with her old band and we would kind of like, oh, I don't know if this member is like right for your band or whatever. Like she was good, but like the rest of her band was like not really. You <laughs> sure, know, it sure. took I mean, <laughs> not to be mean, it was like a weird process of like process of elimination of like how she wanted to sound and like this whole progression of like me working with them as like either a producer or a guitarist and at the, towards the end of like when my band was sort of coming to like some big disastrous event where I left the band and they continued on and we parted ways okay we were basically working on the first dreamcatcher record like in my bedroom and like the guitarist from my old band was living in like the bedroom across from me at my mom's house <laughs> and I was like going into his room and writing with him for this other record and it just wasn't like 
creatively, it just wasn't like working out for me. Like, and, and there was all this other personal stuff that we won't don't have to really get into too much. Sure, sure. I basically was just like, I can do as much as I want to do with this band. I had a moment where I was like, this other band was successful. Right. Like we had done like touring for about six years. Sure. So it was a big jump for me to like, just go ahead and up and leave that band. There was like a lot going on. So I was like, I found that the Dreamcatcher thing as like an opportunity to like continue doing music. And maybe we'd be starting from scratch, but at least I'd be like doing what I love. Yeah. When you were bouncing back and forth between the projects for the writing, did you feel your own sound develop more with Chelsea and Dreamcatcher? Or was it something that you just kind of felt a little bit more freer because you already had an established sound with the old band? Yeah, it, it was like just clicking better, I think. Okay. I think our old band had hit a point where like our influences were starting to like like part ways a little bit. Like I was like not really feeling like what we were doing as much. And I like felt that level of excitement yeah. for, the, for what I was doing with Chelsea at the time. And so I was like, why not just, right. you know, it, and this was... You know, it's a weird time because, and now, like, looking back, like, I probably should have been just dabbling in a lot more projects because that's what I'm doing now. Because Violette is a solo project, technically. Like, I'm not technically in the band, but I still, like, treat it as my band. Like, I play with her live. I write all the music with her in the room. Like, Like, she writes all the music. So she gets to, like, do her thing, which was, like, one of the things about Dreamcatcher that ended up being weird was like every time we would have a new member in the band we would like take photos and spend a whole bunch of money on like something a music video or something like that and then the guy would just up and quit (laughs) (laughs) that's gotta suck so much like you're you're going in you're investing so much of yourself in this project financially too to try to get it so much and then it's just that revolving door yeah and that that's gotta hurt a little bit for sure yeah, yeah. It's this is my whole life has been a bunch of like failures leading up to like the moment I'm now where I'm like truly like content with how failed I am. <laughs> like <laughs> I like that. I like that. Content with failure or content with how failed. Yeah, I like that. I mean, like it's not though. Like it it just is a different type of success, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of, you know, that's obviously a joke. Like I feel better now for some reason than when I was like playing on huge stages in Europe. Right. I was so naive back then. And I was just like there for the ride. I thought that the band was going to go on forever. And I didn't even think for one second that I had to like make connections and stuff like that. Right. Because once it was all over, it was like, it was so tough. Like I was even trying to get like stuff for Dreamcatcher at first. And at first it was easy. It was a big mistake at the time, but we were treating it kind of as like, oh, I joined this band or like I, w- I was joining their band essentially. Like they was they were writing all, a lot of the songs and I had just come in and like put my flavor on like that first EP. Sure. But we kind of treated it online as if it was like my side project. And that's how it was perceived. Oh, okay. One of the first nails in the coffin was like the first day we came out. Because like it was, it was really tough to have like Chelsea be like com- and our new thing be compared to like a successful band basically almost the entire time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's got that's got to hurt a little bit cuz that puts pressure on unneeded people because at that point like you're you're just joining the project but because you have a quote-unquote name, right? That's you you see that a lot in like movies or other bands where oh yeah, the 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 guy from um Oh, uh, Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm-hmm. I forget. I forget his name, but he's playing with Suicidal. If Suicidal Tendencies wasn't like already established, all we would be talking about is Ben Wyman, the yeah. the guy from uh, Dillinger Escape Plan. No, and this happened with like uh, Spencer from Under Oath too when he started yeah. his like new project, and yeah, like a lot of people. I, I heard a podcast with Spencer where he was like saying a lot of things that I like felt the same way about. I was like, dude, it's like so hard to like have a project that kind of like just pops off, but you weren't even like thinking about it at the time. Right. And then now you're like really trying and you think you've like gotten your sound right and stuff and people just like aren't even paying attention. It's it's interesting that that always seems to happen. Like when you're so young and like that misconception of youth where it'll never end, right? Like there's, there's, there's so much life that this is always going to be. And then you live more into the moment and you don't plan a whole bunch of stuff. So you're just along for the ride, like what you were talking about. 
And a lot of times that seems to breed a certain amount of success because you're just not thinking about it and you're just putting all your energy into it because you just feel good. Like positive energy begets positive results for the most part, right? Yeah. So when when you get that and then you're just like, oh no, I was like, these are some of the mistakes that I did before. These are the things that I'm thinking of. I know what not to do now. Why is this next project where I'm thinking so much not working out? Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. That's basically how it was. Like, and and still is too. It's like it's hard to like re-identify yourself after you've been like identified as like a band member, you know, of something. Like I'm a guitarist from a band now. Right. You know, like right. to most people that like know who I am, I'm like the guitarist from that band or I'm the guitarist from Dreamcatcher or whatever. And like I feel like I'm so much more than that, but like it's hard to get that in people's heads, you know, like it's like it's a whole new ball game now. Cause now I'm just like I want to just work with people and help people. I'm like producing for Violette and I just did like another project with this girl out in LA. She, she lived here in like Hamden or something. And then she moved out to LA. So I did a song for her for free at the beginning of all this like COVID stuff. Okay. I just decided like as soon as COVID happened and we were all like unemployed, staying home, I was like, I'm going to like pursue this now. Cause I'm like, I got like Ableton and stuff. And I've, I've been like producing like our, demos and stuff like all my life like even like when I was a kid like my dad had this like little recording setup that was like one of those standalone recorders so like I've been doing this like my whole life but never like tried to like pursue it as like a career I've always been like so hyper focused on a band so now I'm like well maybe I can use that to like like I've been doing like so my kind of job right now like my day job is uber so like that allow that was already like allowing me to like kind of like put some eggs in that basket where I was like starting to do a little bit of like just dabbling and stuff like I was making like hip hop beats and uh, just for fun and I made a sample pack too that I have out now and I'm just like starting to get better at that so I'm gonna like make like loops and samples and stuff like that on my kind of my free time and stuff. That's exciting. So I'm I'm terrible with almost all of that stuff, right? Yeah. I also lost my hearing. Uh, so I lost my right ear uh, about seven or eight years ago. And I have tinnitus in that one. So it super sucks. <laughs> and I was starting to try to like make beats and stuff back then. And then I was like, all right, cool. I can use both ears for a second. And then as soon as that happened, you lose such a big channel yeah. that you can't really like balance a track out. You can't really like get the full sounds in there. I can barely hear any of the high ends. It was, it was, it was a mess. So now that I'm looking at everything, like I want to be able to, to do that again. But to your point, the uh, coronavirus and, and COVID helped me learn more about recording through the podcast. And like feeling a little bit more confident with that. So it's been fantastic for that journey. And I'm sure for you, it, it's been just as good to see kind of that that knowledge that you had on your, your music side and your band side to be able to now kind of take a step back. The way that I kind of talk about with my um, people at my day job is that I try to have the biggest impact on the most amount of people. And that's what it sounds like you have kind of in the back of your mind is that now you can dip your hand or dip your toes in different projects, help out as many people as you can, impart whatever you learned with all the bands that you've been a part of with touring, with all that good stuff, and then help them kind of develop their own sound. Is that the the back end goal for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I've been like trying to help people with their sound for like a really long time. And it, it through just in our bands, I've like in the two bands that I've been in. I feel like I've been in like 80 bands because of all the member changes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I've worked with so many musicians, especially drummers. Like I probably worked with at least like 20, 25 guys. And like, you know, I had one one guy um, that I know say to me, like, I, I play so much better after I like worked with you for like a little while, you know, because I, I don't know like what that is. Like I started as a drummer when I was like young. Okay. And I was like, that's what like my main goal was. I was like so focused on that. I took like drum lessons and I did like marching band and stuff like that in high school. And I like just played guitar for fun and then like fell into a band where I was playing guitar like professionally. So like 
I was never like a guitarist. Like I was uh-huh. always a drummer. And then like, I just fell into it because our drummer was like so good that I couldn't like do anything. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to be the drummer of this band. Like, <laughs> I, like you know, I might as well just, yeah, I might as well just like throw in the towel for drums and, and be a guitarist. But that like helped me because I was able to like communicate with drummers and communicate with like all my band members. Right. You know, and like, yeah, help like hone a sound. And I th- I feel like I, like a lot of people struggle with that because especially in bands, cause like there's like so many people to deal with, you know, it's like you got the right. singer who like, that's the most important part, but then you might have like a guitarist or something that like writes all the vibes and stuff like that. And like, they have to have a say otherwise, like, you know, this, if the singer just only gets his way, then like the, the drummer probably will never play. Right. Right, right, right. You got to you got to kind of feed into everybody's strengths and and try to balance that stuff out. And then also like to your point about the the singer being the most important and then the guitar having to find his voice too. Sometimes that's the exact opposite. Like Dance Gavin Dance, it's all that that guitarist dude and I yeah. keep forgetting his name. Uh but he's rotated so many singers in that band and they still keep going and they keep being bigger and bigger than ever. And it's really annoying because like, how do you, how do you continue to just like put out good stuff when you have such a, like a vital piece that keeps rotating in your band? And I'm sure that you kind of felt that way a little bit with trying to find some kind of cohesion because the chemistry between everybody will probably change and you can't even get that baseline if you keep rotating your people yeah yeah it's it's tough so yeah we would have to basically like sometimes we would have to like change like right before a show like there was drummers that quit on us like literally before a show and i would like i I had a friend um i have a friend josh who's like one of the sickest drummers out there he lives in nashville and we had we had someone quit on us like right before a soundstage show opening for citizen Mm. and um we flew our friend out from Nashville to play the show that night. Like we just flew him out. Wow. Cause, and he played the show like, and it was perfect. As long as you find like the right musicians that kind of think like you, it's not that, it's not that hard to like bring someone in, but like we, yeah, we've gotten to that point where we like, we'll just bring people in. Like in the last show we did, we met the guy like two days before we had to play the show that, that um, socially distanced show at soundstage with birthright. And um, sure. Yeah. I mean, like we met that guy like two days before. So <laughs> that's incredible. So do you, if you're writing stuff, then as, as far as that goes, like you're writing the the drums, are you thinking of something that's just like a universal approach to it that anybody can pick up? Or are you trying to still add a little bit of flavor and technicality in there as well? Yeah. So with this stuff, we do a lot like in the box. So I will like actually make the beats almost completely. And then we'll actually have a live drummer come in and like, it's kind of like a hybrid situation. Like it's half electronic, half live. Okay. And we'll have, we have a friend that uh, has played on all of our stuff, Chris, and he plays with, um, he tours with Dashboard Confessional. Oh, very cool. Yeah. He, and he was like in a band that was like friends with my band and actually toured with, um, toured with me with my band in Europe, like a long time ago. So we've just been friends ever since. Yeah. He kills it. And basically like what he'll do is we'll just like go in and like set up like a like a really minimal mic setup. Okay. And so it'll kind of be like just flavoring. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Over like my, what my beat is to kind of make it have a lot more live feel. Right. But like he'll just like record and we'll just chop up loops and it'll sound like it'll sound completely like a real drummer was playing it. You know. Gotcha. Okay. And then with the sampled kind of flavor, like it gives it more of like a pop feel, which is kind of the sound we're going for, and. I think we've always kind of been going for that sound, but never like was able to like nail it. Right. You know, like Dreamcatcher is like that, the typical, like you go, you like practice with the whole band for a long time. And this is why it took so long was because we kept changing members. We would start to like build the same songs up. And then sometimes some, another drummer wrote it and then a new guy has to come and learn that stuff and then continue on. Right. And so this, we, went about that for like three years and then you go in the studio and you already know exactly what you're going to do. There's no, there's no editing songs at that point. <laughs> I but hope like not. The way yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, but now we're kind of doing it from the vocals back. So like, we'll write, like Chelsea will come to me with like a song, like a fully written acoustic song basically. And we'll 
record that, and then I'll start throwing the beat over top of it. In the end, it's a better result because you're actually like providing music that that suits the song, and you're doing it way faster. Right, and then you you already have kind of like a skeleton of a song, mm-hmm. and then a lot of times what you'll you'll find as far as most of the pop stuff is that you can just have a beat and then you have to try to find a hook on top of that beat. Yeah. Like that's normally it's not the, the voice first. Normally you're able to just have almost a whole, at least baseline of a song and then figure out who you want for that song. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it works out like that. Like sometimes I'll make a beat and then she's just vibes with it. Yeah. But like the other cool thing about it being like her side project is like, I can just make my own beats and do whatever I want. Sure. And then if she likes one of them, then she can do like one of our new newer songs that's not out yet was a beat that I was like intending on like putting up and selling on my SoundCloud or something. Mm-hmm. Cause I have a little beat store on like beat stars or whatever. So I was like planning on like putting it there. And one day I come home and, She's like top lined an entire song over it. And I'm like, dude, that's sick. Like, <laughs> I, I love that. And yeah, I couldn't believe it. And it's like this kind of like hip hoppy, like dance kind of 80s jam. It's, I mean, sometimes it works out that way, but then sometimes she has a song and it would be, it's nice to only have the two of us there that like are really on the same page rather than like people that we met two days ago, like trying to help us like write something. Yeah. We were just done with that. That's why the, that's kind of why we like ended the band. Sure. It had been like seven years or so. So we were just like, eh, like we can just do this and I can just like kind of pursue producing and do our stuff and we could probably come out with a better product. And that's what happened essentially. Yeah. And on top of that, it's almost like you're already having session drummers or like session musicians already. So you aren't really ever getting a cohesive sound with the the full amount of chemistry that you need to really strike it, if that makes sense. Because... I feel like just the revolving the revolving members just won't be conducive to try to keep that band long term. Yeah, it's not sustainable for sure. And the first band was even less sustainable because it was like I that was just like me along for the ride and you can't be like what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like autonomous. You can't be like your own Yeah. Like you're riding a roller coaster basically and and if someone quits in that band and that's like your livelihood, right. then there's no way for you to like drop out of it like it's the only it was like the only thing I had kind of and like with this it's like now I have all these different things that like if Chelsea's not feeling like writing too like I'm not having to like force her to write right because the other thing is like for a songwriter like you kind of have to like live a little bit and like breathe a little bit before you can write a song like it's not like me where I'm like just composing and I can just come in here in my studio any day and like just come up with anything you know like being a composer or like a producer is way different or even just a guitarist is way different than being a songwriter. Like you can't like some people can just write all day, but like some people it takes like a little bit and you have to like find your spot, you know? So it gave her a little bit of breathing room for me to like, I wasn't like forced. I didn't feel like I was forcing her to like write songs. That's excellent. Cause I feel like, especially when it comes to lyrics too, that you have to kind of dip into some part of the emotional part of you that may or may not be a good time sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and being able to kind of cope with that and and really like ping off of memories and, and understanding what your emotions are and how to articulate them. That's a tough job. That's a that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't write lyrics at all and I don't write melodies and I could never write my own song completely. <laughs> I can only like help other people who are singers and artists like write their stuff. So, and you can shred a little bit, right? You can shred too. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Fun. Do a little bit of shredding. <laughs> I like that. But I, I really like this whole approach that, that you've kind of found your own, not necessarily mission, but just own kind of idea about what you want out of music because that's, a very, very difficult thing to kind of pin down unless you've gone through some of the stuff that you have, which is revolving members, leaving bands, having them dissolve, and then trying to actually find something that kind of brings back a little bit of joy with the the music side between producing for other artists and then with Violette. Ah, I said it right that time. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I I like I like this idea. So when when you're thinking about producing and helping other people, are you coming into okay, I can 
I'm trying to think of the best way. I can put my stamp on this song. I can make this song reflective of my own work, of my own sound, or are you just trying to kind of like boost them up a little bit? The thing is, I do have like a specific sound and like to be like, there's kind of a fine line where you have to be like objective and and your job as a producer is not necessarily to put your stamp on something. It is if you have a sound and that's what people are going to you for. But I think the primary thing is like figuring out like what their sound is and then like connecting it to like listeners. Right. And really listening to their music as like, okay, like I'm just some Joe Schmo listening to Spotify. If I come up on this, what's going to grab me? Right. You know, and sometimes the band's not really thinking about that and they really shouldn't. If you think too hard about that, then you make just cookie cutter music basically. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm just going to do all the tricks to get someone to listen to it. But like, if you have someone there that like can like make that connection between your creativity and the listen and what's going to grab the listener, then I think that's what a producer should be there for. Yeah. And I also think too, with, to your point about the cookie cutter stuff, there is such a, like a, a big niche market out for pretty much any anything now. Yeah. So if you're able to come out heartfelt and genuine with your with your projects, you're going to find an audience that'll cling on to that. And if you have someone there to help kind of pinpoint what will really actually connect with that audience, then that's going to be just successful twofold for us to make sure that you a get your message out as an artist and then B, have it receptive or accepted by the audience. I mean, that's that's fantastic. I, I like that idea and just focusing on their message to get out and how to connect the two. Because like what you said, they shouldn't be thinking about that. If they do, then they're going to make a song that is just A, not genuine, B, not reflective of themselves, and C, just probably not nearly as good as anything else that they could do without having to think about, oh, who is this for? Yeah. Cause like if you, if you, I mean, if you listen to like the most cookie cutter pop song out there and you go and try to like just replicate it, there's like, there's something else there that you're not like thinking of. And you're just thinking that like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing. I don't know. It, it's like, a, it's a weird rabbit hole to go down. Like, but I just think a producer's there to like help you out, like to get to the listener's ear, what, what, whatever the niche, you know, may be. I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, everybody knows what an 808 is, right? Yeah. So if you want to throw that in there, sure. But the you see, like, the uh, the stems of some of these pop songs, and they have 70 to 100 individual tracks on there because they're just throwing so many different effects and samples and different, different sounds throughout the whole tune yeah. that you think it sounds simple, but it's not really. It, there's so much little layers in there. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of my style is like mangling stuff and like doing a lot of effects. And like, I I think we we have one song that's like going to come out soon where I just took like this drum loop that was made on like GarageBand and I just like mangled it and panned it like hard left and right and like used that as like the the real drum sound. And then I put like beats over top of it. And like, it's, it's just all this like kind of soundscape of like drums like just hitting you in the face basically sure and like you'd never it sounds like it, it was a person like drumming in the room a little bit but it also sounds like mangled and like messed up and stuff yeah that's like the kind of like I mean obviously I'm a pop producer so like that is what I'm about is like those layering things and like layering vocals and stuff like that but like I think there's a way to do it now where you can kind of be creative whereas like yeah like when like the kind of uh, like the indie pop world from like kind of back maybe like 10 or, you know, less than 10 years ago was coming out like MGMT and like Phoenix and stuff like that. That's like what I'm kind of like about. Like, I love that. It's like a very natural sound, but it's also like very commercial, very pop. Like there's something about it that's like gritty though. It's not like, yeah, if you listen to like, especially Phoenix, they're, yeah, they're a good one. And Passion Pit, like they're like a synth pop band, but it's like, and it's like, and it's so commercial, commercially like accessible. Yeah, so, yeah. At the same time, it's so experimental. If you like, kind of like dive into it and like really like listen to it, you know. Yeah, it it was interesting. So 
I'm a big fan of Phantogram for some reason. Oh, dude, that one of my favorite bands. That Josh Carter is one of my favorite like kind of producers like to look up to. I don't know what it is, but I just I got completely hooked on them earlier, like in January mm-hmm. uh, of this year, and I've gone through their their whole discography multiple times throughout this year. They do everything that you basically described. Yeah, <laughs> where they have a little bit of that bite to it, right? It's definitely a polished sound, and they, one of the reasons why you know they're they're so known is because of the the sound that they have that it is accessible sound, but it's also very weird. <laughs> yeah, and they do a lot of weird things, and they do a lot of really cool things that I appreciate a band of that stature still pursuing, and the fact that they've been it's just them too. Um, I forget I forget the. Uh, the singer's name, but it's just been them too for the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I see me and Chelsea too. It's like, right. We're just kind we're kind of a duo, but we're just like, you know, she's like kind of like the solo act, but it's like when it's just us two, like it feels like that. It feels like a duo where like whatever she does, like I can like mangle up her stuff and then it's like, and then it's her sound, you know, it's like no one else is going to come up with something like that. Even me and someone else right. is not going to come up with that thing, you know? Yeah, that that's, that's fantastic. So you were, you mentioned earlier that you started with drums and marching band. So when did, when did you actually start playing? Oh, probably when I was 10, I think it was when I got I got like a drum set for my for Christmas or something. Okay. And my dad was like really into guitar at the time, but he wasn't any good at it, but he was like <laughs> collecting guitars. You know how like old men go to like the music store and they collect guitars and they take guitar lessons, but they're never gonna get yeah. there. Yeah. So like he so we had all this music stuff. Like he was like super interested in it. He would like go in and out of hobbies and stuff, but he he like kind of recognized like the talent early on and like really he pushed me. So like I think that's like a big thing for people too. It's like having someone there to like encourage you to do stuff. Yeah. 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 So like I found a passion like when I was 10. <laughs> that's great. Cause it, it always it always surprises me too that there's so many drummers that are out there because it's the biggest instrument and the loudest instrument out of all of them. <laughs> so you would think that there would be like less amount of drummers <laughs> just in the world. But those seem to be like the most prevalent. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just like, oh, you're you're young and you have energy, go hit something. Yeah. I don't I don't know what that is. But you you were talking about how you went through like so many different drummers and it just it doesn't make any sense to me, like as a parent, why I would let this ten year old hit things inside my house unless I just put them outside. I'll give them a space heater and they can enjoy themselves and piss off the neighbors. Yeah, I mean, luckily our neighbors kind of enjoyed it a little bit. Okay. I think at first, my my first drum kit was like, so when my parents got divorced, that was when, yeah, when I was 10, just earlier in that year, and my dad got me the drum set, but he was living in a tiny apartment. Okay. So we had like these like pads. They didn't help, you know, like. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, they don't help at all. There was like a, like a Hispanic family like down below us and they, they kind of, you they were like, during the day is fine, you know, it's all good. And then like our neighbors, when I moved out to Maryland, were like, you know, we would practice, we did all the writing for like my old band, like in the, the basement of that house. And you could hear it like down the street. They didn't care. They liked it. My mom just moved out of that house that I gr- kind of grew up in out here. Okay. And it's in Columbia. And like the neighbor was like, I was helping my grandpa like clean the place out and like mow the lawn and stuff to so try to get ready to sell it. And yeah, the neighbor was just like, oh, like I miss you guys playing over like, you know, back in the day, this is like so long ago. It was like 2002 or something or like 2005. That's fantastic. Those just little, little memories. Like you, you, you go into like, especially if you're in a city, just all, all the cacophony of sounds that are around you get a little bit even more familiar with you. And then that makes like your love of that place even more. So that's a really cute story where they, they actually just miss all the, the different sounds that you guys were making. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. I'm sure it was annoying at times, but, you know, you had to do it. You had to do it somehow. <laughs> so what made you switch from drums to guitar? Um, so I met, like I remember this other memory I have with my dad was 
oh man, I was like starting to like dabble in the guitar and it was really, it just turned out to be really easy for me because I could read tabs. Okay. Super easy. So he had tabs lying around like, you know, with like song, like old, you know, he loved Metallica and stuff like that. So he was like trying to learn like those like solos and stuff. Yeah. And I remember like I picked up the guitar. He was trying to learn System of a Down, like toxicity, you know, like that little, that clean riff. And I picked up the guitar and started playing the riff like just easily because I, I was able to... From playing drums, I was able to know music by ear. I mean, okay, but that's annoying. It was annoying. My dad was like, he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's what it's, I would be so bad. He was like, God damn it. Like, I've been trying to learn. He was like, I'm trying to learn this song for like a week and you just pick up the guitar and do it. So that wasn't the the end all be all though. It, like, I still wanted to be a drummer and I would take, le- I would take lessons and stuff. And then eventually like, and when I was in high school, I played drums and on the marching band and it was all good. And, you know, eventually like I met a drummer named Tyler okay. and uh, he was just so good. And I was like starting to like kind of critique the bands that I was playing in at the time. Okay. We were doing covers and they didn't really know how to write music. So I started like writing some of the music on the guitar, Okay, you know, and I learned by playing, I learned guitar by playing covers, basically just learning tabs and sure. You know, and kind of just playing by ear and like jamming. I would wouldn't even like play the covers exactly. I would like jam along to them, like and write my own parts essentially. Like I started writing. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, like I met this drummer, and I was like, okay, I can just I can be in a band with this guy, and it's going to be good, and I'll just write the music. Like I finally became comfortable enough with playing guitar that I was like, eh, maybe I'm not so good at the drums. Maybe this guy's better. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm not cut out for it. And eventually I completely lost all skill. Like if I sit at the drum, like even Chelsea's better than me at drums now. <laughs> like if I sit at the kit, but you know, I still have like the brain for it. And that's what I came away with, you know? Well, and that's, that's what I was going to uh, kind of loop back to is that communication piece because you understand that other instrument. Yeah. Even if you don't have like the motor skills for it, you understand the language, you understand the experience behind it. So when you are going through those different members, you're able to still connect with that person a lot easier. Oh yeah, definitely. That that was that's been like one of my strengths is working with drummers. Like just being able to like jam with them like super easily because I know just like because of the hand movements they're doing or because of the beat or the feel they're giving. Like I know exactly what to do on a guitar to complement it. Yeah, yeah. I and I really like that because that that helps so much to where you can actually then go and fully orchestrate a song, or at least have a full understanding of what each instrument is playing instead of just that one. Yeah, or yeah, and even the, just like the little things, you know, like if if a drummer does like something like offhand that like you weren't expecting then I can like make the adjustments on my end to be like, oh, hey, maybe we could do this where we like make this connection. And then like, you know, that's part of jamming. When Like when you're in a band, like I, I kind of miss this part of it sure, uh, because we don't really have like a band to like jam with anymore. But writing like that is fun because like if you are good with your band members, like the connection that you make when you finally like hit something, you know, is just like, that's like magic, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's almost like a little spark of just like everybody hitting at once and being like, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, we need we need to bottle that for yeah. sure. Yeah, like when you make a connection with like five other guys at the same time or ladies, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I I dig it. So, what do you think are some of the the things that you've learned with your old bands, especially the the touring ones that you have translated with some of the the producing that you've done, and then what you kind of want to do as a, a backing piece for a violet. Like from the touring aspect of it, I've learned how to like maintain like a good sense of like trusting. The, I guess you might've heard like the, the term, the phrase trust the process. Yeah. Like there's a lot of that because like as soon as something fails, another thing or another opportunity is going to pop up. And if you're not like there to like grab it, then you're just going to you're going to miss out. The opportunities are they're not going to be created unless you're like making them be created. I like that. Yeah. It, it's hard to explain, but like if I had just stopped immediately going from one project to the other, like it wouldn't be the same even if I wasn't ready to do it necessarily. Cuz like I could look back at like all my bands and be like, "Brian, you're an idiot. You're not ready." <laughs> 
I like that. And then just uh, just going with it anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Just, I mean, just like also the the paths kind of change over time too, because like the dream at first was like, oh, I want to be in this band. If this band is going so well and we're getting opportunities. Right. And I'm just like along for the ride. And now like, I mean, if I could talk to myself from back then, I would have said like, look, you got to like, like set yourself up. Yeah. You know, instead of just only putting all your eggs in that basket, you need to be like planting little seeds everywhere. You know, I did a little bit of it and it's like helped me out. Like since then, like, like Chris, the drummer that plays on our stuff, like that's probably like the best seed I ever planted because he's like one of the best guys to work with. He always gives me like the bro deal, you know, when it comes to like drumming and stuff. So like if I need, if I ever need like a drummer for something, I know a thousand people, like that's probably the biggest thing is the drummers and the band members and stuff. Like you can keep a solo project going because you know that you're going to be hiring the next person instead of like expecting the person that you hire to be sticking around. Right, right. You don't have that kind of, oh, this is this is the guy for me. This is it. Yeah. And then once they leave, you're like, fuck, I got to find another guy. There's always a contingency plan. And you can have your favorite guy and you can say like, oh, I want to pursue this as like a thing and like have them be involved in it. But at the same time, like you have to keep your cards like close to you as well, you know, and, and be in control of your own like destiny. Like you can't let like, someone like so, an event like someone leaving your band have to like stall you for months right right so like i've learned to like be able to set ourselves up so that like whenever that kind of thing happens we're still moving and like the whole process has been like make ourselves sustainable as like a yeah you know as a unit so that we can always be working on music and always like kind of pursue that because we know that like some things are instant like sometimes you just get lucky. Like my old band, we just got lucky. Like we recorded one thing, four songs, got signed. That's it. That's kind of the life, isn't it? Yeah. And then like the next band, you spend seven years like kind of in a, you know, spinning your wheels or whatever, and it's all good. Yeah. But like at least the time you had, you learned that whole time. Yeah. The, every failure is like a learning experience. So like I'm not even worried about that. Now I'm at the point where I'm not even worried about if I fail at something or not. That's that's a huge thing too. That's such a big piece that you have to kind of like reckon with that it's okay to fail. Yeah. It's okay to fail just as long as you learn something. Like that that's such a hard thing because especially when you're young, you're just like you think that's it. This is your life. Like I'm never going to do anything else. It took I mean it took me a long time to leave that first band and it took till I had the opportunity with Chelsea where I was like okay, here's another opportunity. I'm going to jump on it. But like before that happened, I was like so worried that like, oh, if my band's falling apart, like I can't leave this band. Like I have to, like this is my dream. So I have to do this. Like, yeah. And that's not necessarily like what happened, like how it works out, especially if you like open yourself up to new people. The other thing is like, you always have to trust people too. Like no matter what, like you're going to have to trust somebody and you can't let like, like something like a failure or like a band breakup or something like that make you never trust anyone again because that's going to make it so that like you will fail at, yeah. essentially you know like it's it's done deal at that point and that's definitely for personal relationships work relationships just friendships just everything yeah like you got you got to be able to trust another human just a little bit because you cannot do everything by yourself no you can try you will burn yourself out and it'll completely fail and it's not a good feeling. So one of the, the other things that I've, I've been kind of noticing as far as the, the way that you've been talking is that you have kind of a business approach to it a little bit as well. Yeah. And I think that's part of just some of the experiences that you've talked about as far as hiring people, knowing how the economy of a band kind of works, because that is a very important thing, I think, too, is, is just knowing the the ins and outs of that. And then one of the things that you touched on is, is what we kind of talk about at my day job is setting yourself up for success. That way, no matter what happens, your results don't change, right? So like for me, I've had like three or four people in the busiest of, of the holiday season go out of my store. Yeah, Like they're not able to come back for a little bit. They have to, they're starting to come back this week and next week, right? But I was able to keep still rocking and rolling with that because I'm not going to let just that one missing piece affect my whole thing. Right. Which is the same approach that it sounds like that you've started to develop 
or at least like gain that that knowledge and retrospect for. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a tough thing to like figure out. Like it's it's not obvious like there's no one way, you know. It's just about like finding like what's your like motive and what's your why, you know? Like I never knew that like when I first started doing this, like there was no like why, there was just like I- I'm going to do it. You know, and that's cool like cuz it makes it so you can like just jump into something. But on the other hand, like you're basically jumping without a, you know, without a parachute, essentially, you know. Right. It's like you're gonna land on your feet, you know. Maybe, maybe not, you know. And your feet may also get crushed, right? Because that's a long way down. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 a very very good thing to kind of learn and embrace. Yeah, it's like taking the risk, but like taking just the right amount of risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The calculated risk. Yeah, you know, and and keeping up with with the fact that it's okay if if something goes sideways as long as we have every other kind of thing keeping us going. Yeah. Unfortunately, people are replaceable, right? And those different pieces can can be replaced in there. You don't necessarily want to if you found that connection and that chemistry piece in there, but people leave. That's what happens. Yeah, so with our old band, it was the drummers, right? But like we made it so that we were able to teach any drummer that came in like a day's notice. Right. That was one, that's one move that you can make. Right. Like, it's like, because as we got older, we noticed that like people stopped having as much interest in it. Like when we were young, not only were we like privileged kids, like with like parents that like cared or whatever, you know, like you don't even realize that when you're young. And then when, yeah, you know, people start like quitting because of like, oh, I'm in too much debt. That you know, this with that, like you know, there was a lot of that too. It was like sometimes it was people having kids or having like a girlfriend and wanting to move, you know, move in with them or something like that. You know, these kind of things happen, and you can't like rely on people. Like you know, they could be like your best friend, and you can't like just put all your eggs in that basket. You can't like rely on them like that, right? Because that that's bad for them too. You know, because they're gonna like they're gonna make sacrifices for for you that might not pay off and that, and it might waste their whole life, you know, especially when it's your project or whatever. Cause so when it was like the band, it was like me and Chelsea's only thing and anyone, and it was already our lives. We knew that we were going to pursue it and anyone that came in, you know, we didn't want to, we didn't want them to like resent us. Right. Right. Yeah. That I, I think that's fantastic. And when you look at your whole approach and just making sure that you're in like a, a welcoming area or like a welcoming approach for all these people that go in and out, right? That's that's such a, a big thing to where you're able to get them at ease yeah. and be like, look, I know that you're coming in on a day's notice. We got your back. We're yeah. gonna help you help us. Like that's 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 so good to to get someone in and be like, don't worry about it. I appreciate you filling in. Let's get to the the next thing that we got to do. Yeah. I mean and there's also like the outsourcing thing, you know, like if you're, if you're paying a drummer and you don't need them to like be invested with their lives in the band, you know, you can pay them like a a decent daily like thing. And, and because we're good enough to like keep those costs down, they can come in for two days rehearse, you know, like there's all these things and and, like marketing and all that stuff that all it comes into play. Like, you know, with, with Violet, like we have like, our team kind of set up now. It's like, it's a band of like people that know like what they're doing. Like our manager, Bill, he does like merchandise managing. Okay. Um, for like huge acts, like Kings of Leon and like mm-hmm. just big stuff. Like he works at the, the big venues, like the pavilions and like collects all the money. Like he knows exactly how like stuff is supposed to work. Sure. And like what stuff sells and like what's supposed to like look good. And it's like, we don't know, like, I mean, Chelsea has a good vision. She does, like, some graphic design stuff that's, like, really awesome. And she has, like, a good vision for it. But, like, to have people like that that, like, work in the business that know, like, what they're doing, uh, that's, like, it's a huge weight off your shoulders to, like, kind of outsource the right things to the right people. It's such an asset, too, because you are you are not, like, one person is not a guru in everything. Yeah. And if you find that person, please Tell them to come see me because I have questions because I haven't been able to figure it out. And I don't think that person is telling the truth. So finding the right people for the right things is such a, a, an important piece 
to a longevity of a project. Because when you look at it, and especially with like the marketing piece, I don't want to market shit. Yeah. That's for sure. I don't want to spend money on any of this because I don't know what I'm doing. And if I have someone in the, the right spot, then everything's cool. Yeah, that's a, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, every musician and band's like worst nightmare is like the internet grind, <laughs> yeah. basically, which is kind of what we're all doing now with COVID. Yeah. It's like, I mean, some people are just like shutting off. You know, I know some people that are like, I'm not writing any songs during this. I'm not doing, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you're not going to play shows. There's no shows. There's two sides to the coin. You know, when you're a live musician or when you're a musician in general, there's like the studio grind and there's the writing grind. This is like the best time for people to like clear their heads and like be alone with their thoughts and like kind of like figure out like what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and like hone, hone in their craft. Like that's like what I've basically been doing all year. Like, kind of on unemployment, you know, I'm like sitting here, I'm kind of driving myself crazy, you know, it's like, just work on something, even if it's like dumb. Like I was making these like hip hop beats, like at the beginning of COVID, like just in the basement of our old place, Chelsea was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it was like, they kind of sucked, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> right. but I'm like, I'm learning how to mix. Like I'm learning all these things, but you don't care about it. You don't need to care about it. Like, I'm just going to do my thing over here. <laughs> and like, lo and behold, like I, I end up like nine months later being able to like produce people remotely, which is like a totally new thing now. Like people can, like, I just did this project for this artist, Sister Teeth. I like that name a lot. Yeah. She's really good. She, she like writes her own stuff and she sent me a song way back and I did a song for her for free just so I could like have a project. Like I was so bored. Right. And I was like, I just need a project to mix, you know, like, and Chelsea wasn't writing. And I was like, I'm just going to leave that alone. Yeah. I'm not going to like push her. That was like kind of when I realized that, like, I was like, oh, I can like, we with the solar project, you know, I don't have to push you to write music so that I can write music. I can just write music with whoever. Right. And it's all good. So I do this song for free. It takes me about like two months to like get it done. She sends me like a demo with vocals and a synth. And I just like, layer it up and and put my flair on it and all this stuff and like it sounds dope it's kind of like she's got like a Billie Eilish like Lord kind of voice sure so it's kind of like it's right in my wheelhouse you know like it's easy for me to just do okay but it took me a little bit to like get it nice and it and even at its like finished product like it wasn't like what I'm where I'm at now because I learned so much doing that project kind of sure like eventually well just last week I just did three singles for her for like my first like kind of paying gig, you know, just doing this. And I did um, some mastering for another friend of mine who has like an EDM project. Sure. So like just starting to like pursue it and nine months later, like you're getting paid to do it. So it's like kind of crazy, you know. That's that's not a bad that's not a bad thing because most people are putting years of work into this stuff and just being like, yeah, I, I still have to work <laughs> So much. No, I definitely, so much I definitely still live. do. It's like, it's, it's a work in progress, but I feel like it's going to be exponential because, you know, I'm going to have something to show for it and I haven't had anything to show for it. Yeah. I've been like working on this kind of stuff. Like I've been recording my own bands for years, but never like, it was just demos. So I was never, I never have anything to like show people like, oh, I could produce you. I could mix you. There's nothing that like to show for it for all this years of like practice. But now I am going to have like, the new Violette stuff, her stuff she has now, like I kind of co-wrote and co-produced with another producer. Okay. Uh, who actually learned all this stuff from, like mm -hmm. a, or a lot of it. Like really to get me to like the point I'm at now, like he helped them, my friend Micah. He was in, he was in the same band as Chris. Okay. Uh, the drummer. So, so he like produced her stuff that she's got out now, but I like kind of half produced it. Like, like I like kind of did the beginnings of it and it was, we okay. thought it was demos and then we ended up using a lot of the sounds like, later on when we went down to work with him. That's legit. That, that's fantastic. I think one of the things that you, you alluded to earlier too is the technology piece that a lot of musicians and artists in general just don't really embrace. So you were talking about the social distancing concert that um, you did with Birthright, yeah. where that was basically as much online presence as you could, right? To get all that stuff out. And then just, adapting to the environment that you're in and then remote producing, yeah. which is again, adapting to the environment that you're in as far as trying to use all this technology to keep 
yourself from going super crazy at the moment, right? Keep yourself sane and and driven to keep doing stuff. Yeah. The technology piece and the embracing of technology, I think is one of the more important things that musicians can do, especially during this kind of off time. Yeah. To try to figure out different ways to interact with people. It boggles my mind just how anybody can perform without that immediate feedback of other like an audience. But seeing it still done and seeing people try to connect with them over the internet through like Instagram Live, YouTube and Twitch and all that stuff. It's fantastic to see that because you're embracing the different pieces of technology. I just don't know where that mindset is for them to just like not have that immediate feedback. It's, it's got to be a strange feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Like, like one of the big, one of the things like, there's like this big gap of quality between like someone who just throws up like um, something on their Instagram where it's, they're using like their phone speaker. Right. And then like there's the videos where people are actually like recording and producing it. And then they're like making videos of them kind of like miming the stuff out on their keyboards and stuff. And actually like looks really good, but you know that it's like so fake. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so there's this thing that like all these artists are like battling with where they're like, I have to make these like dumb videos because like people will just scroll right past if it sounds bad and it looks bad. But on the other hand, if you make like like kind of a dope like little Instagram video where you like shine a camera on yourself and you're like pretend playing your keyboard to this beat that you actually did make, then people will be like more enticed to see it. It's it's a weird thing that like musicians are battling with. You know, like the whole just just social media and like trying to like show your stuff to people. But I, I feel like um, for us, it's just like, it's the greatest time to like, we produce like a whole EP within, you know, like a month or a month or two. We had a couple of demos that we had from like way back when COVID started mm-hmm. and we didn't start like really working on them until like September maybe. Okay. And it like was quick, you know, it was like the songs were like basically there. It took a couple of weeks, you know, to get all of it done. It's just a totally different like workflow. Like as far as like producing music goes, like it's never been better because you can just send stuff to people. Yeah. And yeah, you can just send stuff back and forth and you get to like I feel like when I'm like recording guitar in a studio, I'm less comfortable than if I'm like actually like at home. Sure. Yeah. Even even if the quality is a little less, my performances like are like way better. And like the way I record myself, the way I like to like give it my own touch and stuff like that like Producers don't have that feel. They just turn on their gear and like you just hope to God, you know, like, you're like <laughs> that you chose the right amp and guitar because like, you know, it's it's rough. Yeah. What do you think is the the thing that you've learned most about yourself throughout music so far? Oh, I mean, I, I like that I can like sustain my own and like hold my own and like in an industry. Yeah. You know, like, I hope that that's the case. I don't know if I've, like, learned that about myself <laughs> yet. You know, it's, like, an ongoing thing. Like, it's a continuous thing. In the end, like, I just want to help people, and I want to be able to continue doing it. And that was when I, like, found that, like, turning it into a business was important to me. Yeah. And not just, like, helping people, like, just because I'm too nice of a guy, and, I, and I'm too honest of a guy, and I it's hard for me to tell someone that I won't just do something for free that I probably would. But like I probably shouldn't, you know, <laughs> like just giving people stuff. I have to like I really have to learn how to um, be like that guy. And like sure. I have like Chelsea is like kind of acting as like my producer manager now. Right, right. So she's actually like when people like email me, like she's like negotiates the price for me and stuff. And I'm like, because I can't do that. I'm like so bad at like negotiation. Okay, okay. I like that. It's like, so have you ever seen like Parks and Rec when like April and Andy, like she's like charging people like a bunch of money to like have them do birthday parties? Like that's <laughs> us. Like, <laughs> yeah. but that's, how, that's how you know you're doing the right thing that you love, you know? It's like you would, you probably would do it for free, but you just don't want people to know. I love that. I love that so much because you really do have to disconnect yourself a little bit from it. Like if you have that buffer, it's way better. That way you don't even have to think about it. You can, you can send in the negotiator. I like that. Right. <laughs> They're going to be like, I know he'll do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't tell anybody. Anybody that listens to this, remember to pay this man. Uh, what do you think keeps you motivated to continue to pursue music? It's really about like not having to work for somebody. I, I realized when I started working for Uber that I was like, 
dude, this is the best job ever because I don't have to, like, as far as like a job goes, like, I, I hate working for the man, you know, like, that's like my thing. Like, right. I've been trying to like, just not work for somebody for like, basically my whole life, <laughs> you know, like, I had like jobs and I'm, and I'm, I'm too good at jobs too. Like, I worked at like restaurants and stuff and they would like, I would always get to the point where I was like, the guy that they would always call in. Yeah. Like, we need you. We're busy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, but <laughs> then it gets to the point where like, you can't pursue like your own thing. And when I found like, when I found Uber as a job, like I've always been like driving, I've always been touring. Like, yeah. that was like the perfect like side gig, like where I can be like, okay, if I have a job, I don't have to work Uber. I actually got like, so last week, my, someone actually hit my car. So I haven't been able to work for like the past three weeks. Oh no. Yeah. They like knocked the door off my car. almost died really. Jesus Christ. Like, what what happened? <laughs> it was like on, um, it was on St. Paul street and I was like getting out and this guy was like driving in the bike lane basically. And as I opened my door, like he was like right next to my car. That yeah. is shitty. But like, that was when I did that sister teeth, like her three songs or whatever. So you were straight for a second. Yeah, it was like it was good because I was able to like I had that job and I had another like a mastering gig that was like for my friend and I had already like set up set up with him that he was gonna like you know I think he was paying me like a hundred bucks for it or something like that. Yeah, you know it was just like a kind of like a bro thing, and like, all that kind of fell into place and sure. I was able to like you know, I'm getting my car back like tomorrow I think hopefully but it's been like three weeks it's like the it's been in the body shop a long time wow and like it was the other guy's fault so that's all good it should be you know maybe I'll get a fat check for that I don't know I hope so <laughs> I hope so because that that is definitely a shitty thing to do I, I can just imagine that happening just like you trying to get out of your car and the next thing you know the whole fucking thing is off yeah yeah you've all just about took it off like basically that's intense yeah yeah it was rough weird, weird time. But like I had all these things going on and I was like, okay, I'm going to like pursue this. I'll do that. So I kept busy this, like almost this whole time. And now I'm like, just getting to the point. Cyberpunk just came out. So I'm like playing that now, <laughs> you know, now I'm just like kind of chilling. All right. So talk to me about cyberpunk because I'm a, I'm a big fan of video games, but I'm terrible at all of them. Uh -huh. And all I know about cyberpunk is that a, it keeps crashing and B, you can like make your junk really big. Oh yeah, I don't know how this well, works. You can, well, you can be, you can be trans. Okay, but it is crashing. It's crashing all like all over the place. Yeah, I have the, I have the Xbox version, so like I can't say for like the PC people's like that might be like computer stuff. But I know that I've seen pictures of like what the PC game looks like, and it's actually way better. Sure. Than like the X. Then I have an old Xbox too. So like yeah, I can barely handle it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's an awesome game. Yeah, you can make your junk. You know, like you can have a big wiener. <laughs> You can make some bush or, you know. <laughs> that is so ridiculous to me. I don't know why, but it's just so ridiculous to me. It was like, how much detail do you really need? And like one of my uh, one of my uh, reps was, was looking at getting it, but he can't let his son play it because his son will do exactly what we just talked about and just give him a big old wiener with a big old bush. And it's just stupid. Like, why is that an option? I mean, if, you, if he would let his kid play GTA... Like it's basically the same game, but like futuristic, basically. Sure, sure. It's almost the same. It's and it's the same as like it kind of reminds me of like Borderlands in a way. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, you can you can have sex in it and stuff. <laughs> That's so silly. Why? I just uh anyway. I don't I don't understand it. So, is there anything else that you would like to say? Since I got distracted on the on the cyberpunk, so and the and the. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I probably shouldn't have mentioned it. Like, no, I, like everything, everything that I keep hearing about on YouTube and like the gaming channels that I watch is just like, yeah, it crashes and you can make your junk real big if you want to. There's no <laughs> point for it, but you can do it. Yeah. Like I thought Fallout was like as most detailed as you can get <laughs> and they just made it even worse. Yeah. So good for them, I guess. But yeah, that's that's pretty much in. Of the, the interview, uh, we went through everything, which I really like your answer about not working for the man, like finding that that spot where you almost found where you're comfortable in. Yeah. And now you can actually enjoy your life a little bit better because like what you were talking about is if you're so dedicated to your job and you're the, the one that keeps getting called in, you can't do anything for yourself and then you just burn out and you, you can't that that 
trying to pursue what you want to while trying to balance your life out, the balance is such skewed in the wrong direction. Yeah. I mean, it's the balance that it happens on the other side too. Like when, when I was in like a band, I was all in in that band and I was never like pursuing anything as a business. Right. I was just like, if the band fell apart, then I had to go back to the job, you know? Yeah. And that's it, you know? And then, and then you have to start all over again. But if you do it, like if you have a balance and you're like doing some stuff that's creative, that's for yourself. And then you maybe like with me and the music with Violette, like that's obviously like the main thing that I'm pursuing for sure. But like, I need to like hone in my craft to make that better. I need to make money while we do it. And I can't all just only be like, okay, I'm going to work for three weeks at Uber, like nonstop so that we have like three grand to do this thing or so that we have a bunch of money to do this marketing campaign. It's like, eventually I want to like transition. I feel like I've like, definitely I've learned where I want to be and how to like look, you know, short term, long term, whatever, you know, and try to pursue it that way. I love it. I think that's it, man. That's a, a good ending. Good job. Hell yeah, man.